0: in the left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch, oh, in the right field, Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field, struck well, Marisnyk going back, at the wall.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 36 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. I'm your host Brian O'Grady. With me, as always, my co-host Justin Ayers, JA. I'm back in America. We are not that far apart anymore. We got playoff baseball on. Just watched the the, the Phillies win. Uh, watched the Mariners put up four early on the Astros. That game's still going on right now. But uh, what's going on, man? How you doing?
2: I'm great, man. It's great to have you back <clears throat> in the United States. It'll make scheduling things so much easier. And do I'll have to figure out 13-hour time differences anymore. Uh, but so, you know, selfishly, I was a little bit glad that you came back just for that reason, just so like, we could, you know, schedule these a little easier. But it's been great. Uh, this playoff, like, it has not disappointed. Every single series has been electric. Uh, we're going to obviously talk more about the Padres and Mets with our guy Woods here coming up soon. It's a little primer. Um, but, yeah, it's. I'm watching the M's right now. They They just hit everything. So it's it's so much fun to watch, um, and you know, in playoff picks in our wild card round. Uh, you went one for four, and I went two for four. So it's not like I can really like raise a banner for that, but it's it's better.
1: You beat me. Um, very good to be back. Much easier on scheduling. Much easier. Much better Wi-Fi in my house, which I'm thankful for. Uh, obviously, good to see my wife and daughter, which is very amazing too. But yes, playoff baseball, man, the first round was great. I was wrong. I'm glad I was wrong about the Padres and the Mets. I'll take my world series pick going down, but uh, some awesome series too, man. Phillies looked good. Uh The Cleveland and Tampa series, what an ending to the walk-off Homer uh, man. It's just, it's been so much fun already. And yeah, Mariners roughing up Verlander a little bit to start the game. It's
2: God, it's just, it's fun to watch. The M's can swing it, and, and our guy Adam Frazier is red hot. He's white hot at the plate. Every single at-bat, hit.
1: Two uh, two good stories there. You know, Frazier had a little disappointing season for himself, or by his standards, and uh, like you said, red hot right now, swinging it really well. Uh, had that huge double in the you know the game-winning <clears throat> inning there. Uh, and then Trent Grisham from the Padres. Uh, tough season for him too, and what a series he had with the Mets going, uh, the homer off Scherzer and Degrom, uh, and just a great series for him. So pretty cool to see, you know, two guys kind of bounce back a little bit there in the
2: postseason. It's the best, yeah. The playoffs, it, it always has these unlikely hero stories, which we'll talk more about. But it's been so much fun to watch. Uh, but before we get to some news, uh, we this episode is brought to you by our friends at Som Sleep. Are you having trouble getting enough sleep at night? Brian's drinking coffee at four in the afternoon, so he probably will be. Uh, som <laughs> sleep as you covered. The scientifically advanced som snack includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery, and it's helped people everywhere take their game to the next level. It's simple. All you have to do is drink one serving just 30 minutes before bed, and your body will naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning, but not SOM sleep. Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer your day. Go to GetSOM.com, click SHOP, and enter the code BATS, B-A-T-S, at checkout for 10% off of your entire order of SOM sleep. All right. Uh a couple non-playoff related. Well, I guess it kind of is playoff related because these guys are on playoff rosters in the news category. Spencer Strider. We've given him a lot of love on this podcast this season for good reason. <clears throat> the Braves uh it just have been rolling and he's a large part of that. They agreed to a 6-year, $75 million extension. It has a $22 million club option for 2029. This extension buys out his final two pre-arbitration seasons, all three arbitration seasons, and his first free agent campaign. That club option would get his second free agent campaign locked up there. Um, so it's it's a weird structure. He's going to make a million dollars next year and the year after, four million the year after that, and then it goes ju- it goes up to twenty million and then twenty two million. So uh, Strider eleven and five two six seven ERA. We're big fans. The mustache is rocking. But how does Atlanta? Keep doing this with their young talent when it seems like no other organization can do it. I look like I think MLB Network tweeted out this graphic of notable Braves under team control, guys like Austin Riley, ten-year extension; Matt Olson, eight years; Acuna, eight years; Strider, six; Michael Harris, eight; alby seven. How? What? What? It is it about Atlanta that these guys can all just stay together and, and be a cohesive unit for like a decade?
1: I think Atlanta's just not afraid to do it. I think Atlanta's offering it or wants to get something done. And these guys are like, okay, I think, I think the majority of guys in the, in the league would, would be open to something like that. Like I've said this before on here that I'm all for these guys taking this money right now, $75 million. He's very set. Doesn't have to worry about anything anymore. And, you know, when he's finished with this contract, if he pitches like they're assuming he will, he's going to make plenty more after it too. So it's all great. I mean, he's, he's good. Uh, I would say that the only risk is on Atlanta side is if he, you know, something he gets hurt, unfortunately, you know, hoping that's not the case at all, but Atlanta is believing in him. And I think so. I think most teams are just afraid to kind of take that risk is what it comes down to. Obviously Atlanta is blessed with uh, not blessed, but you know, it's worked hard to find guys like this that they feel are worthy of extensions like this. But, man, good for them, locking them up. Great great core right there, assuming these guys keep progressing and getting better. And, you know, I when I look at the numbers, the, Albie, the Albies, Albies deal definitely looks like a bargain to me. But the other ones, are they worth more? probably, but I would like, they're making plenty of money. So good for these guys. Good for the Braves getting it done. I, I think it's, I think it's a great model.
2: I've actually come around on, on the idea of of these kind of contracts. I know when we talked about the Michael Harris extension, eight years, 72 mil, I was kind of on the fence about it. I'm like, ah, he could get so much more money, but all of these guys, I feel like are being locked up when they're like 21, like I think Strider's 23. So it's like, by the time they get these deals over with and they get back to regular free agency, they're going to be like in the peak prime of their like careers, and they're probably going to go out and get a, you know double dip and get a second go at it with with a big contract on free agency. So I like it. Uh, it's a win win win. Yeah, it's a win win for all sides. So um, yeah, it just it just makes me as a non Braves fan I just get jealous. I think that's mostly yeah. what this comes down to. I'm like, well shit, well, shit, how do, how are they doing this, <laughs> and none other the other teams can do it. Absolutely. They, Yeah, I
1: think it starts by Atlanta's not afraid. They're willing to do it. And they have multiple young guys that they've, you know, developed that are worth it. I don't think every other team has this many guys who are that young or who are, you know, that they view as worth it to offer that to.
2: It's insane. Uh, So I had another – this is a weird one. This is a weird story. It's about a role Chapman. Uh, so, Bob Nightingale put this tweet out the other day. Yankees pitcher Aroldis Chapman said he would attend their minute- mandatory workout if he definitely was going to be on their postseason roster. The Yankees couldn't give him that assurance. Chapman stayed in Miami. The Yankees told him to stay there. His career it, as a Yankee is over. This is, of course, the final year of a three year deal. He had a 4 4 6 ERA this season. But how strange is this? Like, the, the quotes coming out after that, like the manager Aaron Boone was like, eh, it's a little disappointing. And then Brian Cashman just didn't hold back, and he said there was no legitimate reason why he wasn't here. He's employed. He's employed to provide work. The postseason roster hadn't been set. We hadn't even had our meetings yet. We still haven't had that meeting. He chose not to come. Um, can you take me through what what workouts are they talking about, and how big it, how big of a deal is it if you don't come?
1: So for them, because they wanted to, you know, they're second, so they get the the one of the buys. They're sitting there for you know, a decent, I don't know the exact amount of time, but a decent amount of time without playing games after the season ends. So they are probably just going to do live at-bats to try to keep everybody sharp and, you know, seeing the ball and everything like that because you sit there for a week without hitting off real pitching, that's, it's like you got to get your whole timing back and everything. That's a long time as a hitter. So that, that was, I'm assuming that's what they were doing. And, yeah, you better be there. I mean, you don't miss, you don't miss anything. Like, that's your job, unless barring, like they said, some unfortunate circumstances, you know, family things, or, you know, bad – like, you're talking bad things. You're not talking uh, I don't feel good or am I on the postseason roster or something like that. You, you want to know one way to definitely not be on the postseason roster is what he just did. But there you go. So, I obviously, things have been a little – dicey there for for some of the season now he has been pitching great and uh, I don't just you know there's the, the tattoo story which we're gonna touch on later. Uh, you know he's he's not what he once was, at least the numbers are saying that. And I think maybe sometimes guys don't realize that. They still see themselves as the same and think, you know maybe this is something he could have got away with a few years ago but not anymore. So uh, crazy story. I mean, yeah, obviously the reports were out there that he might not make the postseason roster anyway. Maybe that was just really, really bothering him. And he said, screw it. I don't know, man. He's, he thought he was done, but yeah, crazy story. Can't. It's, you don't miss those practices.
2: <laughs> yeah. The word mandatory, I feel like is the key word there. Cause if, you know, maybe it's like in, in the NFL world where it's like, you know, optional, like these mini camps, these workouts, or like, you know, a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers doesn't really show up to. It's like, okay, well, you know, they don't really have to be there. But yeah, if you're not, if you're just sitting there for a week and you, you need to get back into game shape, you, you need to be here. And then even the GM was like, there's no legit reason why he wasn't here. So it's tough. It's tough scene. So the Yankees will be without a role, this Chapman, this, uh this, this playoff. But uh the other thing I want to touch on quickly with uh the playoffs going on was the Tampa Bay Rays, so Brian and I both had them advancing past the wild card round, the Cleveland Guardians. They took them out. They were swept over the weekend. Game two, 15 innings. It was a one nothing game. I was like out. I was watching college football. I went to a, the Navy football game. I kept checking on my phone. I'm like, they're still going. It was, it was like a five-hour game. Uh, a couple quick stats about this game. Uh, the Rays had three runners get to third base the entire time. They had six hits. They struck out 20 times in 54 plate appearances. And in that whole series, they scored one run total and had nine hits in two games in like twenty-four innings or whatever. Uh, so I I looked up I, I was trying to figure out what the team was saying. The manager Kevin Cash said I saw guys trying to do too much. They felt like they were looking for the three-run home run with nobody on base. Can't take that mindset against good pitching. Is that is that kind of how you feel too? You know this this is a team that obviously had aspirations of going way deeper, and then one run in twenty-four innings, it doesn't really seem like that got it done.
1: Yeah, they definitely were struggling offensively for a little bit, you know, anyway, but run out Shane, uh, yeah, Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie, two good pitchers in the playoffs. That's really tough. One thing. I mean, first of all, congratulations to the guardians. That was awesome. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, the walk-off homer. That was really off Kluber, which is crazy how that worked out, but you know, back in Cleveland, but man. Oh, and, Shout out to Tyler Glass now coming back and throwing five amazing innings too after you know rehabbing all year. You got to score to win at the end of the day. So one nothing that sucks, but yeah, you can't when you're facing pitchers like that, man. You just you just got to take what they give you, and if they miss bad and, and put one right down the middle, you might see a homer then. But if you're if you're up there trying to just hit homers off of Bieber and McKenzie or guys like that. It's just not, not going to work. This stuff's too good. Um, And for the Rays too, on top of that, you know, missing Brandon Lau during this run. And, you know, he's hurt a lot of the season, same with Mike Zanino is out for the whole year. Those are two of their power guys right there. So that definitely hurts, but the Rays will be back like they always are, but definitely disappointing offensive season for them.
2: Especially, you're right because the pitching performances on the Rays side of things were so great. You're right. Tyler Glass now was like five innings, two hits. Like Pete, unfortunately, had a little mishap there. Uh, he had, had a circulation issue and had to come out of the game. And then Jason Adam comes in, was like bases loaded, nobody out, and doesn't give up a run. Like their pitchers just came up clutch the entire time, and you kept waiting for the the bats to wake up and the big hit to come, and they just they just never did. So I imagine that's going to be very frustrating if you're in that locker room where it's like, really, if we just would have scored a couple times, we would have won. That's, that's gotta be tough.
1: It's definitely tough. You know, it's not because guys weren't trying and everyone knows that, but it's, uh, it's unfortunate when it happens that way. And, you know, it's, it's not fun to be one of those guys and have to go into the off season thinking about that for the rest of the time too. But um, talk to Pete, Pete's okay, thankfully, but yeah, tough timing was his, uh, was his statement there. Just unfortunate, but Rays, man. Be talking be this time next year, and we'll be talking about them again, figuring out how to win a playoff series. You know,
2: they just reload and do it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, two last things for everybody <clears throat> before uh, we get to our interview this week. Uh, we have our fudging awesome moment of the week, and it's mariners themed.
1: Love the mariners. They might they might make the run and make us sound good like uh from the beginning of the year when we made our predictions. But the fudging awesome moment of the week is brought to you by our sponsor, the original fudge kitchen you can find them online at fudgekitchenswithans.com. with an S. Com. they ship sweet treats and fudge all over the country summer is basically long gone but if any of our jersey shore philly listeners are down there for whatever they have locations in cape may wildwood north wildwood stone harbor and ocean city go in there and check them out phenomenal i'm about to order some tomorrow now that i'm back and you can find them at fudgekitchenswithans.com. with an S. Com. they ship all over the country
2: all right, so I mentioned it. It's the Mariners' team. The Mariners advanced to the ALDS. That's their first postseason series win since 2001, first postseason appearance since 2001. The fans in Seattle and baseball town, they haven't had a lot to cheer for, but there was a, a fantastic viral video on Monday. It was in a Toyota dealership in Seattle. It was three friends and coworkers in the service department. They celebrated the M's win by doing the Mariners' signature dance circle celebration. And My favorite moment of the entire thing is when a man... That who comes in out of frame just comes skipping into it, and then he joins in on the on the four. He makes it a four man dance circle. A little uh, skip to Malou there. It was it was awesome to see for the city of Seattle that comeback in game two, down eight to one, and then they just ripped off nine runs. I mean, in four innings. I mean, it's it was a fantastic video. If you haven't go check it out. On, it's all big on Twitter. But I mean, this Mariners team they they don't they don't know when to stop, man. That there's there's a lot of fight in them.
1: What a, I mean, what a comeback! Seriously, that was that was phenomenal. But man, just I don't know. They're starting to starting to look like a team of destiny. they I I don't know what the score is now, but getting the getting the Verlander to start this game, the walk off homer, Cal Raleigh to to get send them to the playoffs is just I don't know, man. They uh they could be getting hot at the right time, and they could be a very scary team, but definitely fun to watch. Cool video, and yeah, what a. What a time for,
2: for Seattle fans. At 20 years of just nothing, like not even like a wild card berth in there at all. It's just been 20 years of no postseason baseball. I mean, they've had the the Seahawks have been great. So it's not like that the whole city has been awash. So they've had stuff to cheer for. But for baseball in Seattle, it's it's great to see. Uh, and they're winning 6-3 to three when we're taping this. So, but when you're listening to this, the game will obviously be done. But uh, shout out the M's. All right. And last but not least, before we get to Woods, we have our top five for the week. Uh, To recap last week's top five, uh, I won. Uh, It was 88 to to 12. So uh, shout out me. It's just, you know, sometimes you were feeling it, and sometimes you're not, and I was feeling it. So,
1: you got some bot burners on there (laughs) voting for you, I think. The bots
2: are out? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep, that's you. I don't know. The the Justin (laughs) Army is is strong. Um, So for this week's top five, uh, so David Robertson, this is the you know the origin of this. David Robertson is a relief pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. He strained his calf while jumping up in the air to celebrate Bryce Harper's home run in the wild card series. In honor of that, we're going to be taking a look at the top five weirdest baseball injuries. I can't think of any more weird injury than straining something celebrating. I mean, that's that's hard. Did
1: not uh, th- well, sorry. Before we yeah. got to that, didn't the wasn't uh, the NFL kicker buried? buried like a game-winning field goal or something, and he, like broke his leg jumping. I'm pretty sure I have Martin Gramatica is coming coming <laughs> to my mind. He like I, made a field goal and was jumping around and like broke his leg or something. Experts went there, tore his AC like something crazy. <laughs> when we were young,
2: yeah, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta be careful when you're celebrating. You always you always got to watch out for what's around. Um, so I will start us off at number five. I have in 1990, Glenn Allen Hill. Uh, I think he played for the Blue Jays. He had a nightmare and he was that he was being attacked by spiders and he was running through his house and he fell through a glass table, suffered bruises on his feet, legs and elbows and had to go on the DL. So that's I mean spiders suck but I mean that's that's tough. That's a tough scene for Glenn Allen Hill. Number 4, 2004, Sammy Sosa sneezed so hard he sprained a ligament in his lower back. I mean that's that's kind <laughs> of a joke on Twitter.
1: Yeah.
2: You've done that?
1: I've sneezed and thrown out my back before. That is true.
2: What? What is? What is up with these these athletes? What? what how was, do you do that?
1: Uh, sorry, I was actually sitting at breakfast with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, literally in Louisville, and I, I don't, I forget, I don't know if I was like reaching for something, but literally just sitting there, sneezed, and I was like, oh, got hurt, and like just slowly, this was weird place. was a Sunday day game too. It just like slowly as I was. Sitting there, it's just getting worse and worse to the point where I was like, I can't play today. I ended up going on the IL for 10 days, and it's like, the only time I've been on the IL in like years.
2: <laughs> Holy shit, you actually did
1: that. <laughs> I swear to God. She, she, my wife is my witness.
2: I did it. Damn. You and, you and Sammy. Uh, That's insane. So that was number four. Powerful sneezes. You Just two powerful dudes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Number three. 2019, Ioannis Cespedes broke his ankle when a wild boar charged at him and he stepped in a hole. <laughs> just just an insane, when that story came out in spring training that year where it's like, oh, he's, he's what? What happened to Cespedes? Oh, it's a wild boar on his ranch? It's, it's not great. Number two, 1992, Tom Glavin broke two ribs because he was puking so hard because he had food poisoning from eating airline food. <laughs> what Ew. a mad libs headline that is that's that's terrible two two ribs broken and that's that's every comedian's like opening bit from like 1990 something it's like oh what's the deal (laughs) with airline food it's like well it'll give you food poisoning um so that is number two and number one this one this one holds a special place in my heart in 2002 marty cordova while he was on the orioles at the time he fell asleep in a tanning bed he got really really bad sunburn and he had to miss a few games and why it's so special is because I got to interview the guy sitting behind me. If you can look, if we're watching the video, Rodrigo Lopez was his teammate back in 02. And I asked him about it and I was like, what What did the guys in the clubhouse think when Marty showed up with this tanning bed burn? And he said that everybody made fun of him and that the trainer at the time, who was like part Cuban, called him El Stupido. So <laughs> 2002, it's Marty hilarious. Cordova. And then Jim Rome ripped him a new ass on, on, uh, on the radio. So that is my that's my five through one. Um just a hilarious combination of injuries there. Unreal.
1: Uh, real quick, before I get to mine, it was not Martine Gramatica. It was his brother, Bill, who was kicking for the Arizona Cardinals. And he hyperextended his right knee and went down, jumping in the air to celebrate after a first quarter field goal against the New York Giants. So it did happen.
2: So I guess he's not automatica.
1: <laughs> nice. But uh, anyway, back to baseball. Uh my number five is Zach Plesak. He uh, had a non-displaced fracture in his right thumb from taking off his undershirt and getting it caught in a chair in the locker room. I don't really know how that happens, but that's a rough one right there. So that's number five. Number four is going to be this year, and I could have easily put this higher because I think this is just so ridiculous, was Aroldis Chapman getting a leg effects, a leg infection from a tattoo that he got during the season. Had to go on the 15-day IL, which is just that's uh, can't even. I don't know how you tell anybody that. That's terrible. Anyway, uh, move on. We got Jesus Lazardo here, who fractured his left pinky playing video games. It still don't know how that happens either, but he actually pitched originally and pitched pretty well, but then they found out about it afterwards. So yeah, video games broke a pinky. Number two, that was number three. So number two is going to be Hunter Strickland. He was lifting and he dropped the barbell on his nose <laughs> doing, doing hip exercises. It didn't work out very well. And he was actually pitching really well at the time and broke his nose. Missed the time, but yeah, not, you need a spotter sometimes. Hunter Strickland was a big dude too. So that's pretty embarrassing for, a, for, a, for another big dude. And then number one is Carlos Correa. He got a rib fracture from getting a massage. I don't really know how that's a, that's a rough massage right there, but yeah, he he was complaining about rib cage soreness, uh, kept him out of line for a few days and they ended up getting an x-ray and his rib was fractured. He got a massage, I believe at his house, you know, from not, not like the trainers and fractured his rib. So not very relaxing there, but those are my five.
2: That's insane. I, I really wanted, as an honorable mention, to talk about John Smoltz burning himself when he was trying to iron a shirt that he had on. But I've heard that story has been debunked, which really makes me upset because that's my all-time... If that would have been true, that's my all-time favorite. Like, he put a dress shirt on and he was in a hurry. I mean, who hasn't been in a hurry when you're trying to get out the door somewhere and you got dress clothes on? But, you know, I thought he thought he burned himself back in the day. didn't. So, you know. Ironing... Something
1: wearing it is, yeah, that's just that's all time. That would not be a good idea. Hilarious.
2: There's another quick honorable mention. It was like Brian Anderson, who I think he used to pitch for the Giants. It was, it was like the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, he burned his face on an iron because he wanted to, see, he couldn't tell if the, he couldn't tell if the iron was hot or not. So he wanted to hold it up to his face to tell. And then he like turned and turned back and just singed his face with an iron. So. Go on the internet and Google some of these weird baseball injuries, guys tripping over dogs, running upstairs, Trevor Bauer, cutting his finger with a drone. Like we could have done a top 30, each one of us on weird baseball injuries.
1: It's insane. You gotta be careful, man. Gotta be careful out there.
2: It's, it's a rough, it's a rough world out there. Um, Two last things before we get to our interview this week. Uh, We wanted to give a quick shout-out to friend of the podcast, Actions Over Words. They're an apparel brand with the mission of encouraging people to use their actions instead of their words. Founded in Cape May, New Jersey by Alec Levin, they donate $5 of every sale to different charities around the world. So check them out at ActionsOverWordsApparel.com and use the promo code N4L. You get 10% off of your order, tees, hats, hoodies, and more. And finally, uh, check out our Not For Long Media family of podcasts. Tons of great content for you guys to check out, especially during football season. The Colin Thompson show with our guy CT. Uh, Not For Long Media podcast, including Two Girls, One League, IGs, ah, Harry Mays, Jason Martinez, Two Great Philly Dudes. So check them out. Uh, Not For Long Media family of podcasts has a lot to offer. So this week, uh, it's a great interview. We just got done taping it. A little time travel here. Um <laughs> Your guy Woods from Ben and Woods. I, I'm so glad we finally got him back on. I think we had him on in like February or something. So it's it's been a long time coming. It's been great. Yeah.
1: So he was uh he was on the first episode, and I did it by myself. I forget what you were doing then, but it was the only one that I did by myself. So this was you got to meet him finally. But uh, yeah, half of the Ben and Woods show. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's hilarious. Catching up on the Padres' year and and the playoffs so far, and then look into the Dodgers series that that starts tonight when we're taping this. But he's uh, he's excited about the Dodger series. We'll, we'll say that and let you guys listen to the to the rest of it. But great dude, great to get his updates from uh, from out there in San Diego. Yep let's uh, let's send it over to our interview with Stephen Woods from Benham Woods Show. And joining us today on Breaking Bats. From 97.3 The Fan, Stephen Woods of Ben and Woods, my buddy, what is going on, brother? He's wearing a Vado Stole Bang shirt for, for yeah. people who are not watching, just listening, and it's it's beautiful. So, he what's it. going on, buddy? It's, it's good to talk to
0: you, man. Welcome back from uh, Japan. I'm, I'm sure you're glad to be home. I'm sure Delaney is already said all right take the baby I'm leaving uh my wife does that to me and I'm gone after I'm gone for like six hours so I can't imagine being gone for a few months like okay see you later take her you know but uh welcome back man I know you're stoked to be home
1: yeah man it's great and she's definitely passed her off some but there's still some things I needed to learn and get better at right now so she can't just fully leave me by myself just yet so i still got that going for me but
0: one thing one thing you'll find and don't tell her i said this because i like delaney a lot but i like my (laughs) wife a lot but one thing you will eventually find is like no no go ahead like go to the salon go do whatever you want to do because it's much easier to be a parent without someone lording over you in the background like no 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 do it like this do it like this once you get it all dialed in you're like why don't you go for a weekend we'll we'll be fine like i got two boys so i'm like Go, have fun and, and we'll be we'll be great uh, here and we'll trash the house and then we'll get it clean before you get home. So
1: <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about yeah. Right. But we'll get there. But no, it's it's great to be back. It's yeah, I, I don't you know, I don't know what I'm doing perfectly yet, that's for sure, but I know I love her a lot and that's no, all that no. matters and we'll we'll figure oh. it out as we figure go. Figure it out as you go. Yep. But, but very happy. But obviously your Padres got into the playoffs. And have already won their first round. We'll get to that in a in a couple minutes here. But let's rewind and just what kind of what were your thoughts on the season? I know it was at points a little hairy there, um, but yeah, thoughts on the season and then making it into the playoffs.
0: It's been uh, it's been so fun to cover, and uh, you know I, I hate that I. I love this time of year because I love the playoffs. It's nerve-wracking having the boys in there. Uh, We've covered them since, you know, well before spring training started. We were at spring training. We were sitting, uh, you know, at spring training when we got the news about Tatis going out. And, you know, we got our chance to meet Bob Melvin, Um, you know, talking to Manny in spring training. Like, there's a whole – it's a whole different team, and you just hope everybody gels. And then, of course, the crazy-ass trade deadline was a blast for us. I mean, you couldn't ask for a a team – you couldn't ask for a team with more, like, more content. I mean, the content just never ended with this team. Some of it shitty, some of it really great, but it just never stopped. And then it was hairy, man. It was a little bit hairy, but I I got this – I got this real feeling of zen towards the begin- towards the end of the year where I was like, hey, we've got the talent. I trust in Bob. Everyone needs to shut up, relax. I sent out a pretty gnarly tweet for me. Like I was, it basically said, look, peace and love to everyone with this tweet, but y'all need to chill the fuck out about micromanaging every single, why is he hitting? What? And I, It's a, somebody made a good point, Brian, and you know this, It's a macro sport, right? You have to look at that as a whole. Like, you cannot look pitch to pitch or live pitch to pitch because if you're a player, you'll burn out. If you're a manager, you'll burn out. And the fans, like, you're going to burn out after 40 games. So it's hard, man. We're supposed to parse through every inning and every pitch. But, like, you just at some point have to trust that these are our guys and they're either going to get the job done or they're not, and we need to root hard for them. And, like, let's stop micromanaging every fucking decision that Bob Melvin makes. Like, he's the man. He's the guy. He knows more than you do. He knows, he knows who's putting in work, who's not. He knows who went out drinking the night before. He knows the right guy to be in the lineup and when. And I have an in, in enormous amount of faith in him. And by all accounts, the players just adore that guy. They adore him.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say anything bad about Bob Melvin. Uh, Ever. Literally, ever.
0: And you you would know, you know, guys you played with, guys you played against. I mean, we talked to everybody, man. We talked to media, you know, because when you hear a new guy's coming to town and you're like, oh, you see the accolades and the record and this, that, and the other. But then you start, you were like, you want to get the real story. So we start talking to our friends in the media and they're like, dude. The guy is 100% on time all the time. So that's a big one with me. Like, he's, he's never late. He takes it seriously. He knows you have a job to do. And then the ultimate communicator with his players. And, I mean, for you, like, imagine having a manager, you know, that said, Brian, um, you're not going to play today. You might get in against a righty, but you're definitely playing tomorrow. Like, those conversations I don't think were being had. Um, because, you know, guys were afraid to hurt feelings or whatever. And Bob is just this really good communicator and lays it out. And, and he, every guy has said to a man, no, like the way he communicated with me. And even when I was struggling, he believed in me. I just love the guy, man. I would run through a wall for him. I think he's the right guy, you know, for a long time
1: here. Absolutely. Yeah, as a player, all you can ask for is communication and honest communication. Because as long as you know what the deal is, I mean good or bad. Hurts or feels good about it, you know? It doesn't matter. Yeah. If you know the truth, that's that's all you can ask for because that's it, it's man. Nothing. Give me
0: the give me the good give me, give me the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. Like I can handle it. I'm a man. Like just tell exactly. me. Exactly. Am I part of the long term? If I'm not, then let me, you know, let me do my thing. But those guys, like mean, like think about Trent Grisham, man. The guy was dying, dying. Just couldn't swing the bat, like paralyzed with fear or unsure, you know, anxiety, whatever it was, he just couldn't swing the bat. I mean, balls are like right to 92 down the middle. And it's like, bro, hammer that thing. You know, you know, like you can hit that. Um, And Bob stuck with him, man, and t- told him all year, our best lineup is when you're in it. Like the best version of the Padres has a, a healthy, productive Trent Grisham in it. What does he do? Goes in the playoffs yeah. and just goes off. And I'm – Elated for Trent. Like, I'm so happy for him because 90% of the fan base wanted him cut, you know, and it's, it's, that's what fans do.
1: Yeah, and that's a good little segue here. So, Grish, I I mean, I was close with Grish when I was there. Uh, I played against Grish originally when he was with the Brewers in the minor leagues. And this was, I was on my way out of double A to triple A, and he had, he was like just there for the first time. And, uh, I told him this too, so I'm not talking shit. He was the worst player I've ever seen. He could not hit a fucking beat. He he came up to the plate, and I would I was like not even paying attention to the outfield. I was like this is a strikeout, swear to God. And uh, and he was see, we we had this whole conversation, and then I went to AAA, and then the next year I'm in AAA, but he and he's in AAA, but he's in the other league, and he gets called up. And I'm like that. Wait, that fucking guy. And I look, and he he was hit. His numbers were like outrageous. He started the year in Double A, hit like 400. Gets moved up to Triple A, hit like 500 for a month. And they call him up. And I was like, that. Wait, that dude, that guy. And you know, so that's him. But my point to that whole story is, I have so much respect for him, man, because he's a mentally tough dude. Because you know people remember the error in the playoffs he came brutal. back to came back the next year got traded but won a gold glove so that right there tells you he's a tough dude and now the next example is this season was a struggle and look at him in the playoffs against two of the best pitchers in the game you know homers back-to-back games off the and Scherzer. Ever. i mean ever phenomenal, yeah.
0: phenomenal so, man and just incredible and incredible uh, defense and You know, I had made the case uh, a couple of weeks before the playoffs started that, hey, man, when it's the playoffs, you don't fuck around. Like plenty of teams roll guys out there that can't hit a lick and they're out there for their glove. You know, Austin Hedges is one of them in Cleveland. There's a bunch of guys, man. If you look around, you know, guys that, that just aren't known for their back. Grish has, you know, and I said, I said, guys, he's got 17 bombs and 53, 54 ribs at the time. So it's in there. That's a pretty – I know the average sucks, you know, right now. But, man, if the guy can run into 17 bombs in a down crap year and 50 and RBI in a down crap year and play, you know, phenomenal defense. He had this one little weird skid where he didn't play well defensively. But, you know, but Melvin riding with him and, like, throwing him in there. And I said, guys, it's the playoffs. Like, how many – we've all watched playoffs before where – Howie Kendrick or Shane Spencer or Chad Curtis or Scott Brocious like they explode for you know for whatever reason it's stupid it doesn't make sense superstars will take you know go 0 for 9 and you know some guy hitting in the 8 or 9 hole like they they take their foot off the gas and they hang a slider they throw a fastball and it's done three run homer and it's like holy shit look at that and You know, so I said, you know, believe in the magic uh, of the playoffs that can happen. And and really, like, I'm putting my best defense out there every time because, you know, Jeff McNeil and guys like that that are gap to gap, like, bro, I want Trent Grisham out there running down those balls. And damn if he didn't run down three or four in that series, too. So.
1: Grish is is a good player, man. It's a tough year, but he can hit and he can play defense. And yes, he definitely helps that team. So hopefully...
2: No see that continue
1: in this Padres Padres series, but yeah, I was I was pumped to see that personally. But it was awesome. Um, before we get to Musgrove, I, before I give it to JA and we get to Musgrove's performance and the rest of it, how were you feeling going into that series and into the Game One? I mean, they got off to a good start, right? I the Bell Homer was amazing, awesome. That was that was yeah. cool. Just uh, epic. You know the on the road, just everything about that. He, he had a – he struggles with the Padres, too. So what were your, your feelings going into it? And then how about that first game?
0: You know, uh, again, strangely zen about it. Excited, obviously, for the game. But I, I didn't – I knew the Mets had, had really struggled down the stretch. And I, I had posed the question to uh, a couple of guys that we had on. Hey, man, you blow a – I think they said they were in first place for like 185 days, which is so long. Uh, to not be in first place and to have to use, you know, you know, look at the Padres. And I think a lot of the bulletin board type material got back into the clubhouse and, you know, Padres were picked out at 12 to have the, the number 12 pitching rotation. And, you know, they saw that, uh, you know, all these things that happened, um, that they had had, I guess the the Mets had had, had i been mean, talking to B.O.G. <laughs> um, she says, I, so the Mets had had their plan for the, the Mets had had their plan for, the Padres, then the Dodgers, like on the whiteboard. And that shit goes into the locker room. And you see guys are like, ah, here we go. Like, and we just took it to them, man. The funny thing is, is I didn't get nervous in game one. Game two, I got hammered. So I blacked out the last three innings. So I have no idea. Uh, and then game three. I, it was never in doubt. Like, the two wins were not close, nail-biting wins. Like, we kicked the shit out of those guys. It wasn't even close. So, it was really fun. Now, this se- this series is going to be a little, a little more nerve-wracking. Um, we hate the Dodgers. I have no respect for them. I can't stand their fans. Uh, I'll say it with my whole chest. They're sacks of shit. Um, I can't stand them. Like, I just can't stand them. They're fucking dicks. They've come after my family before. Like... Like, I fucking hate them. I can't stand them. And I can't stand Dave Roberts and on down the list. They can all suck my dick. I can't stand any of them. So that's how I feel about the Dodgers.
1: Oh, my God. I will. Uh, the one thing I did forget in there and then send it over to JA was, uh, yeah, the Mets, We when we were talking about it, when the Mets said they weren't going to, they weren't for sure going to pitch to Grom game two, I'm like, that is bad juju right like what are you doing you can't you can't say that like you're asking for it so i'm with you there on the bulletin board material but just like the vibes man that's just not a smart move in my opinion oh you go yeah i couldn't believe it
0: i (laughs) mean you can you can say all you want like well we were gonna give his blister an extra day bullshit if he can pitch he can pitch and then if he gets beat, you're like, well, he had a fucking blister. Like, you want to make excuses. Go down. Like, I always say, I'm going to make moves that are going to – like, you have to take risks from time to time. But, like, I'm going to make moves to cover my own ass if I'm the manager because if I go down, it's going to be with my best guys. Like, you know, I, I want – like, tonight's lineup, Jake Cronenworth didn't get a knock against uh against the Mets bro crony's in there like crony's my guy and if anyone's like well why didn't you start Drury at second I'm like because crony works my second baseman like he's been 158 games plus the playoffs of my second baseman that's my second baseman like I I'm not gonna hey I'm gonna try Josh Bell at second tonight like I'm not gonna do anything stupid I, I, but I'm gonna go with my guys and the fact that they even like waffled on it and said well you know Scherzer's just as good and Bro, you got Jacob Degrom. Jacob Degrom goes game one. Period. And it's a whole. I, in my opinion, could have been a whole different series. He was nasty, nasty. That and Scherzer nasty. looked. He looked human.
2: I've been dying to get your take on this. The Joe Musgrove uh, performance on Sunday night was the stuff of legend. But that substance yeah. check in the sixth inning is still really weird to me. Uh, what yeah. was your take on it? I, I've been dying to hear it.
0: I was livid. Uh, well, so <laughs> I should walk. I should walk that back. I here's what I was, ma- I understood it in the moment. And I grew up, so I grew up a Yankees fan. My dad was a Yankee fan. Um, and, and I liked Buck. We've had Buck on our show by all accounts. Buck is one of the smartest baseball men to ever wear a uniform. Literally. Like he knows so much baseball. I have a massive amount of respect for him. So I understood the check, right? Cause I saw the shiny ears, but I also, I'm not a moron. I, I never, if I saw Joe doing this, like, rub, like, if I saw him going to his ear, I'd be like, oh, shit, what are we doing? Never once. Like, I also happen to know, because I watch every Padres game, Joe Musgrove is the sweatiest. Joe Musgrove and Araldus Chapman are the two sweatiest human beings I've ever seen. Like, Chapman pours sweat. Every hat of Joe's has white salt stains around it. Like, he's a sweaty dude. And I got to imagine in that moment, your heart's beating out of your chest. And – so I didn't didn't know what it was. I never saw him go to his ear, though. So I didn't think he was loading up the ball or anything. Uh, the other thing I thought was, man, if I'm going to load it up, it's not going to be with something slimy and shiny and, and, and you know, look like lube. Like, I'm going to use something sticky. It's going to be dark. It's going to be tacky. Um, so when he, I understood why he went out and did it. Once they – Fingered his ears and rubbed all around him. And Joe stood there and took it, which I I hated that for Joe. I was mortified for him. Um, But he took it. And, dude, once nothing was found, it should have been the end of it. And not one Mets player came out that I know of. I mean, Lindor said he shoved it up our ass. Like, he was unbelievable. He beat us. Not one Mets player said, we think there was something tacky going on. Brian Kenny from MLB Network, dude, I went off on him today. He's obviously a Met fan. He filled his diaper on that show uh, yesterday with graphs and this and that. And bro, the the jumps in spin were like nothing. They were purely adrenaline based. Max Fried had the same jumps today. Um, then then Max went after he gave up some runs. The adrenaline went down. His spin went down. Shocking how that works. And then. Um, the the lefty Peterson for the Mets he had his spin rates were through the roof he was amped up nobody's accusing anybody else but Joe Musgrove of of doing anything to the ball so Joe is a really I love the guy because I just love his story and he's a a warrior and a bulldog and all those cliches that we use man his spin rate went up after they checked him and that to me says I got you like I'm in your head now It, it backfired on him um, and you don't poke the bear. You just don't, you don't poke the bear. You don't, you don't go checking bats for pine tar and you don't do stupid shit in the playoffs like that. You got beat. Um, they checked him, they found nothing and that's where it should have died. But Brian Kenny has really pissed off a lot of people in San Diego that, you know, you you're, you what you've done now is every time Joe pitches every time. Now if he goes out against the Dodgers and gets lit up as the Dodgers will do to a lot of guys, oh, look who uh, wasn't, didn't have shiny ears. I mean, it sucks that Buck did that. It sucks that Brian Kenny did it. Um, and I hate that that's going to be the narrative.
2: Hey, I mean, Brian Kenny, he flat out just called him a cheater. I, cheater. I, was, yeah. I was shocked when I heard that.
0: I was shocked. I was so mad, man. I was watching it live and I'm just start rage tweeting through it. You know, like, I'm like, I'm furious. And we played the audio today on the air and yeah, man, I was uh, to call into question somebody's character um, when, in reality, you guys just sucked, man. The Mets just sucked. They 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 gave up. You know, they gave up. They got smoked, and and you know, you couldn't hit the guy, so he must have been cheating. And I just thought it was trash. And you know, again, my prob- my big problem with baseball sometimes is nobody shits on baseball like baseball. Like that's the MLB network like the network of MLB and they come on and they say what a once in a lifetime experience for this guy this hometown kid let's take a dump all over it and i hated that man and and like you you're never going to see that in football man never they prop their stars up right and wrong you know really like baseball's biggest problem is old tired head baseball fans and uh and i thought Brian Kenny was way out of line and Honestly, I think he, he owes Joe an apology. And from my understanding, uh, the Padres are none too pleased with MLB Network either, nor should they be.
2: I mean, we've had Joe on this podcast, and you guys can obviously speak to because I don't know him that, that well. But from talking to him, he just seems like the greatest like high character, like never in a million years would do anything like that. So like, did that – yeah, I mean, how how weird was that for people to call into question his character in a situation like that?
0: It was awful, man, and and you know selfishly, um, you know we love him. When he threw the no hitter, we went in and did a special Saturday show, and he called us, you know, that morning and and talked to San Diego, and uh, it was one of our most special days as a show. And you know, for him to be the first guy to throw the no no is you can't write this shit. And so you took away from his really great moment, uh, sending a team that just doesn't just don't make the playoffs a lot, man. And you've really soiled um, a guy's reputation that, that busts his ass. And, you know, even in a a down, he had such a great start, then kind of came back to earth a little bit, but you always felt like Joe was going to keep you in the game, you know, every single time. And he gets, he gets the big contract. Um, And then to have him take the ball in a do or die, and now it be thrown into question. I thought it was really tired. Uh, from Brian Kenny. And and I think even a lot of Mets fans, like the good, the smart, even smart Mets fans, like Paul LaDuca, who can be a jerk sometimes. He was like, guys, we got swept by the Cubs. We lost, we got swept by the Braves. We blew a 10 and a half game lead and you guys are worried about Joe Musgrove's ears. Like fucking stop. We suck. Like, and I said, yeah, man, sometimes you just got to wear it. You know, sometimes it's not your year. Um, And they, they didn't hit, they didn't hit. And they're too, you know, two of their better pitchers got absolutely torched by an offense that doesn't have a lot of offense right now. So it was, uh, it was pretty special for Padre fans. No doubt.
1: I did it. I actually had no idea about the Brian Kenny stuff. So I, this was interesting hearing the two of you talk about that there. That's crazy that he came out and just called him a cheater. That's, that's wild. Obviously, Joe, I was saying this before he came on here, Joe, I would never think that about Joe, uh, and, yeah, he dominated, man, and I'll just call for him. Just another, you know, like you've been talking about, Woodsy, with the, the hometown hometown kid, just adding another story to it. Yeah, I mean, good for no him. No
0: question. No Love question, him. man. I loved it, too. It was really special to see. And You know, he told Nola uh, walking out, he goes, I'm about to have the game of my life right now. I mean, just to be able to call your shot like that against a, a really good and scary-ass offense with Marte back in it and – you know, Pete's got 40-something bombs and Lindor and, and McNeil, like, just terrifying hitters. man. Nemo, like, up and down that lineup. There's no real weak spots in that Mets lineup. And, and he had him just guessing, and he was throwing all his pitches, and he was spinning that slider like a madman. So it was fun as hell to watch, dude. I was so hungover, and I needed, I needed a game like that. I was, like, laying in bed like this. I never go out. I never drink anymore. I got wrecked during the DeGrom start with a bunch of listeners out of the bar. And like, I was like, I need this to go smoothly, man. I just cannot sit here and have a close game tonight. And and he bailed me out. So it was awesome.
2: No, I was going to say like the Dodgers series coming up, I saw Freddie Freeman had a great, just a terrible quote. He said, they're hot. We've been hot for seven months. I know the Dodgers took it to the Padres during the regular season, (laughs) but like when we talk about the playoffs, what do they have to do or continue to do to have success?
0: I think, uh, you know, I think, obviously, if you've if you watched the games today, the, uh, the teams that had the buys came out a little flat and a little rusty, and I think that's to be expected now. If there's one team that I, I do feel is, is maybe above that a little bit, it's probably the Dodgers. I hate them. I hate their fans. I've made it very clear. Uh, I don't think their fan base is super knowledgeable about baseball. I think they like going to games, drinking beers, getting in fights. They like the hat. Um, they're fucking dirtbags, man. They really are like literally in my DMS, like coming after my kids. So I have no respect for 99% of them, but I'll tell you this, man, as a, as a baseball fan to watch that team play, they're a unit. They're an absolute unit. They know how to win. Um, I don't know that the layoffs going to affect them very much. I I don't, I, I think they're built to withstand almost anything that comes their way. So, uh, but I don't think they're unbeatable. Uh, I don't at all. And I think the Padres have some good momentum right now. The key is going to be, obviously, you got to win one of these games in L.A. And I don't know that tonight's the night. I, I, you know, Arias is a really tough customer. Um, and the Padres do not hit him well. But if they can find a way to disrupt him a little bit, he's an emotional cat, too. Like, he'll walk – he does the walk around the mound when he doesn't get a call – he's, you know, he's, he's demonstrative. I love, I mean, I hate him because he's a Dodger, but to watch him pitch is, is pretty remarkable. Um, But if you can mess with his timing a little bit, like you did with Bassett and like you did with Scherzer and, you know, kind of, kind of make the game on your terms, And if you can get runs off him early, we can win that ball game. But I think the key is going to be Darvish beating, beating, uh Kershaw tomorrow and I think we can win that game I do um they have so they're off their lineup is so deep and their bench is so deep and their bullpen I know it's a little bit banged up but I think their bullpen is really deep and they've made some smart decisions uh for once in the postseason you know (laughs) typically Dave Roberts nine times out of ten Clayton Kershaw is probably getting the ball tonight and knowing Dave Roberts who loves like the big moment for his big guys I was actually, I was like, God damn it. He fucking made the right decision by starting Arias tonight. Cause old Dave Roberts is going to start Kershaw. Kershaw's going to get beat and everyone's going to call for Dave Roberts head. He probably wanted to start Kershaw tonight and somebody grabbed him and said, you're an idiot. Start Arias. He dominates the Padres. Let's get this win. Um, but so they're actually making smart decisions. They left Craig Kimbrell off the roster. He's been terrible. Uh, They have $70 million David Price off the roster. Like, they're doing things smartly for the first time in a while. So, like, I'm a little bit nervous about that. Uh, Cooler heads maybe have prevailed in the front office and in the dugout. But I do feel like if you can get Arias out of the game early and let's get Dave Roberts making those moves, I feel like we can beat him, man. I do. I think there's a lot of good momentum for this team right now. They believe in each other. They love being the underdog. And there's one of these teams every single postseason. Why not us? You know, why not us? Um, The Dodgers have the whole weight of the world on their shoulders. We've got nothing. We're not supposed to be here. Nobody thinks we can win. That old bullshit. Take it, run with it, eat it, sleep it, drink it, and, uh, you know, go out and win. It's three games, man. Three games and you're heroes forever.
1: Absolutely, man. It's well said there. I'm so excited to watch this series. I know you are too. And We'll be pulling for the for the Padres for you guys so you have some more uh, some more fun out there. But we uh, we really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us my pleasure, man. Here. My uh, pleasure, man. I'm so I'm excited hyped. for this. I'll I know. Me to, too. I, I'm jealous about the Petco when when it comes back to Pecco, man. Those games are gonna be nuts.
0: It's it's so nuts. Like uh, Friday is, you know, the home game. And this city, Brian, you were here for a short time, man. Like you know, you've seen how the fans embrace people. You've seen how hungry they are. They are knowledgeable. They are passionate. Yeah. They got really snippy and snappy towards the end of the season, but it's because like, it's just been so dire here, like so devoid of, of any success that people started to lose their minds at the end. And, you know, it's kind of like our job to tell them we have a good team. Let's, let's really believe in them and root for them. And, And uh, But you've seen these fans, man. They're they're crazy, and nobody deserves it more. I mean, LA's got a 100 sports, championships galore, Hollywood. They got everything you could ask for. You know, we've got the Padres, man. And, like, I love that about this town, dude. I love it. Like, my job, I don't want to go anywhere else. Well, I don't want to go where I, like, have to talk about basketball or football. This is all I want to do is talk about the the baseball team and baseball because I mean, I didn't even want to talk about the NFL. Like, when all this shit's over, I'll talk about the NFL. I couldn't care less. I know you're excited about your your Eagles, as you should be. But, um, man, it is uh, – it's just – this is all I want to do. And no no city deserves it more than this city, man, truly.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, thank you again. We're looking forward to the series and listening to you and Ben talk about it on uh, 97.3 out there afterwards.
0: Thank you, brother. Good luck to you. Tell Delaney I said hi,
2: and uh, we will be in touch. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.